Shalom Aleichem, welcome to the Schmooze, the Yiddish Book Center's podcast. I'm Lisa Newman, and today I'm visiting with Alex Weiser and Ben Kaplan. Alex is the Director of Public Programs at Yivo and is also an accomplished composer. Born and raised in New York City, Alex creates acutely cosmopolitan music, combining a deeply felt historical perspective with a vibrant, forward-looking creativity. His debut album, And All the Days Were Purple, was named a 2020 Pulitzer Prize finalist for music. Born in Brooklyn, New York, Ben studied literature and theater at Williams College. He currently serves as director of education at YIVO Institute for Jewish Research, where he directs programs that teach Jewish history and culture to a broad and diverse audience. These programs include Uriel Weinreich's summer program in Yiddish language, literature and culture, and the YIVO Bard winter program at Ashkenazi, whoops, and the Yivo Bard Winter Program on Ashkenazi Civilization. Welcome to you both. Um, and I'm so glad we could make this conversation ha- happen. You're both a wee bit busy, I would say, by day and by night. Yes? Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, we're, we're keeping pretty busy. We've got rehearsals. We've got Yivo work. Um, dare I say we have lives aside from all of it. So, But it was, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thanks for um, Thank you both. You know, I was in touch with you because I received a very intriguing invitation in my email box about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 11 the other night um, to attend uh, a preview of your forthcoming opera, The Great Dictionary of the Yiddish Language. And it, it certainly got my attention. And so I asked if you would be good enough to join me today to enlighten me. It's my, you know, it's the privilege of having a podcast. You can find out about anything you want to find out about. (laughs) So, um, you know, my introduction to both of you is a little bit truncated. Um, So I thought I'd ask you to expand a little bit about sort of your backgrounds, your work, and then maybe we'll understand a little bit about how you collaborate. So um, we've uh, been working, actually, we both work at Evo, as you mentioned, and uh, Alex is a composer, uh, and I write libretti and plays. Um, and we uh, decided to, you know, take take our hand at writing opera together. Uh, so we actually wrote an opera previously before this opera called State of the Jews. And this is our second operatic collaboration. Um, me writing the the words for the libretto, and Alex writing the music. Uh, so it's it's been great fun to be able to. Uh, work on these different projects and to, you know, take a lot of what we've been uh, discovering in our work at YIVO uh, in terms of Jewish history and culture, and also bring it to this creative forum and be able to invite audiences to, to share the work with us. I'll add to that that Ben and I were good friends before either of us worked at YIVO, um, and actually our opera about uh, Theodore Herzl that Ben mentioned um, was something that we started talking about at the very beginning of our friendship, um, you know, the way that this story, which is so important in Jewish history and so fascinating, is also really operatic um, and, and can stand, you know, a, a musical treatment. And so it's something that we've been dreaming of for a long time and we finally made happen um, just before the pandemic. And when we were while we were working at Evo, I mean, it's it's been a huge source of inspiration for both of us. Um, and one of the things that we encountered in our work at Evo is this amazing story of um the great dictionary of the of the Yiddish language. And when we encountered it, we I we both thought, wow, this is an opera. We've got to, c- to come back to this. Um, and I think we were we were working on Herzl at the time. Um, but here we are, we finally we're finally making it happen. 
it's it's kind of a funny story because Alex came to me one day and said to me, Ben, you need to read this dissertation chapter uh, written by Laser Burko, which is on the history of the Yiddish language of the great dictionary of the Yiddish language. It's an opera. And I said, Alex, are you out of your mind? An opera about a Yiddish dictionary? What is this? And he said, no, 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 you really need to read this dissertation chapter right away and tell me what you think. And of course, I went and I read it. And as soon as I started reading, I said, he's right. It's an opera. We have to make this opera because the characters are, are so much larger than life. Uh, it's this really important story about uh, rescuing Yiddish language and culture uh, in this post-war era. Uh, many of the the scholars who you know are, are key figures in the story, of course, were refugees from Europe. They lost their friends and colleagues, and they're racing against time to save as many Yiddish words as they possibly can, and create this big dictionary that will really be a comprehensive look at the language and the words that have been so important to Yiddish language and culture. Uh, so it's a it's a marvelous, uh, inspiring story of of really fighting against all, all odds. And there are these heated arguments that happen throughout the historical story and that we've you know, adapted many of them for the opera uh, about the minutia of Yiddish grammar and spelling that le- almost bring them all to blows uh, at times, uh, that they, they care so passionately about these small details about Yiddish language and culture. And they, and they carry that passion through in all of the work that they do. So it felt it, it it had to be an opera in a way. It, it was it was too big and too too important of a story to not have that kind of operatic scale. I, I have to say that again, when I when I read about this, um, I'm a very visual person. I think it's okay to say. Um, I just imagined this sort of 1940s Hollywood moment. It's an opera. It's like the producers or something like that. Um, and when I just mentioned I had to do a podcast about this, it was like. Um, somebody broke into a song about, um, you know, declension or something like that. But your work is engaged on, um, with education, with public programming, with really bringing to light aspects, all aspects of Yiddish culture. I find it fascinating then that that has woven its way into your creative passions. And you are, you know, sort of rethinking, how do we share this culture out? Um, how do we reimagine it? How do we evolve it? And you're doing that. Is it surprising to you that this works and, and, and what are some of the challenges? Yeah, I think that when we, when anyone creates a piece of art, um, you know, it's about finding meaning in the world in some way. Um, and so it only stands to reason that when we're immersed in this world at Evo and this world of Yiddishkeit, and we found so much meaning for our lives in this history, in this culture, in the stories um, it only stands to reason that we'd want to, um, you know, use those to create works of art. And they're really, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful way for us to not just to, to share the, the stories with other people, um, which is obviously really exciting. We're very passionate about that, but also to kind of make sense of them and what they mean for us in our lives and what, what they mean for us today. Yeah, I think one of, you know, one of the characters in the opera is Max Weinreich, who's one of the founders of Vivo, and a very important scholar in the field, of course, uh, wrote the history of, you know, the Yiddish language. And uh, he has many inspiring quotes, and one, and one of them is something to the effect that he, he believed that tradition wasn't just about saving and, and upholding the past, but also about remaking and breaking tradition to create new culture. And so I think we both try in all the work we're doing to 
show that it can be a living culture and that we believe at Evo, it's a, of course, it's a living culture. And we want to carry that culture forward and try different ways to tell these stories that will hopefully uh, get people excited and want to engage with the culture more. Uh, so we're, we're constantly thinking about that. And, um, you know, again, being able to have uh, an audience get together and, and see these people, not just as a names in a, in a book uh, or, you know, on a, on a website, but living, you know, breathing characters that, that have human beings that have profound stories to, to share and to tell is, is something that we, we find to be very important. It seems to me it's so important in terms of the continuum of Yiddish. Um, you know, if not for the Holocaust, this would have been an ongoing um, language in which a culture played out um, across, you know, theater and literature and art and all the rest of it. And I always think that what we forget is that Yiddish, you know, was an aspect of its contemporary culture um, and it was reflected in all of the arts. And again, it's one that was constantly evolving. It was a young culture. It was a revolutionary culture. It was a marginal culture, it, you know, all of that. And so it's very exciting to see all of the work that's going on currently. And something like this, again, is very exciting because you're telling a story, but you are, you know, putting it together. Do you, um, you know, it's it's a just, it's a fun story and it tells a really important, you know, chapter. So when you put this together, do you borrow from a lot of different stories? Do you take liberties? Curious to hear how that goes. Do you want to take that? Yeah, we, you know, we started with the the historical narrative, of course, and we uh, thought a lot about how to give the story a frame and uh, a context. Uh, but we, you know, incorporated these other elements that are not necessarily in, in the historical narrative. So uh, there are mystical visions and ghost-like angelic figures that make appearances and, and interact with the characters. We don't want to give away too much. Uh, mm-hmm. We want people to come see the opera, of course. Uh, but uh, that we incorporated these other elements from Jewish tradition, uh, mysticism, uh, you know, different uh, elements that we thought could could be exciting operatically and to see in a, in a physical, you know, theatrical space. Um, and then we thought a lot about the characters, their individual stories and their their arcs as uh, the, the people they were, but also they're now operatic characters. So they take on a different uh, tone and, and context uh, and really thinking about the elements of the story that will be universal and resonate with people. The story is very much about uh, to what extent you can keep the, the culture that you come from, whatever that culture is. Uh, and to what extent can you take with you the place that you, that you come from to another place, uh, given that these characters were refugees, that they were dealing with this destruction of, of their culture and their tradition. Um, the, there's a lot of elements of, of just dealing with the grief of uh, losing so many people that you love and care about. And that's something we felt is also obviously very universal. Uh, so the thinking, thinking about that relationship between language and identity, culture and identity, uh, what it means to be an immigrant in a new place and have to confront this completely new world. All of these elements uh, are incorporated in the, in the story as, as we tell it. Just to add to that a little bit, um, you know, when we're telling a story like this, there's on, on the one hand, the things that happened. Um, and we spend a lot of time, you know, reading and rereading Laser's dissertation and reading some of the sources that 
um, he used in his dissertation and listening to recordings of Butel Mark and trying to get as much of the actual history as we can. Um, and there's that element, but then there's also the question of why is this important? Why is this interesting? How does this resonate with us today? And to, to help draw out some of those themes and some of those ideas um, is where some of the kind of, you know, fictionalization and kind of mystical um, elements come into the story. Um, the intention is for them to uh, really set into relief the, the things that are so interesting and matter about the story. Um, you know, for example, why was this such a, why was it such an important mission for them to save these words? Why was it such an important mission for them to, you know, why did they have these acrimonious debates about spelling? You know, why, why was this, why were they so passionate about these minu minutiae? Um, and the reason of course, is that, that these, these minutia had represented things that are much larger for, for each of them, for Udo Mark and for Max Feinreich on the two sides of this debate. What, you know, without going into too much detail, there, there was, um, there were really acrimonious fights about spelling that really held back the project in some ways. Um, and in fact, the dictionary was published without YIVO's standard spelling, using a little bit of an idiosyncratic spelling system that Udo Mark, um, that was his preference. And this was a this was a red hot debate in in the Yiddish world at that time, but it was a red hot debate because the spelling symbolized something for each of them. So so we're, that's what we're trying to get at. You know, yes, this is what happened. This is what they were arguing about. But also, what it, what does that mean? You know, and it, and it has to do with all these things Ben was discussing: loss and and continuity, and you know, these are kind of like big themes of Jewish history, but also of just human experience. And we're dealing with people who, as I was saying, have a very particular relationship with language, but we all have a relationship with language. We use it every day. And then, of course, there's this long tradition of a very particular Jewish relationship and a very intimate relationship that it is with language. So we wanted to explore that. And I think also in, in both the operas we've been uh, you know, written and then our writing in the current moment, we uh, were interested in this idea of mythology. So what is the, what is the myth that lives inside all of us uh, that we tell ourselves about XYZ story and really interrogating that myth and trying to understand what that uh, history might mean to us today. And by fictionally, fictionalizing it to an extent, and putting it up on, on stage, but mixing in all of these true historical elements, we can kind of together collectively in the theater, explore those mythologies. And I'd, I'd love to ask you, Alex, about scoring. Um, you're a composer. Um, you know, I, you've gotten great recognition, um, obviously, um, the Pulitzer being one, one very nice, if I may use the word validation, um, but no recognition. Um, so Talk a little bit about how you think about the music and, and, you know, how much it draws from the past, how much it's, you know, current, what have you. And then maybe um, because this is a work in progress, we could just play a little example from your past collaboration. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing when writing an opera that's that is the both the challenge and also the excitement and the joy is really taking the lead from the text. Um, and um you know, finding a way to bring the text to life. And to, and that's why even before a word is written, before a note is written, um, Ben and I have ha had countless conversations about 
about all these ideas that we're talking about now. What are the themes of this story? Why are we telling it? What, what, what do we want to get across? Um, you know, and kind of building that architecture of, of the world of the piece and what is it going to feel like and, and, and how are we going to work our way through this story? Um, and then, um, you know, and then finding, you know, the words uh, that bring that to life is Ben's job. And then my job from there is really to be true to the words that Ben has found and try to wait, find a way that makes them, that makes them sing, that makes them sparkle when they need to sparkle, that makes them feel, you know, longing when they need to feel longing. Um, and when I'm doing that, I'm really just drawing from, you know, at my toolbox of, of, you know, of musical language and compositional tricks. And, you know, there's, there's one approach of, kind of using musical references and trying to to take influence from different um you know pieces of music or styles of music that that might have a kind of um you know ring rem, remind people of a certain time or place um and that's one way of of looking at things um but there are also just so many different details of harmony and rhythm and and orchestral color and you know things that can just kind of paint the picture for for that sound world of of the piece so would you just set up what we're going to be listening to now? Sure. So um, this is an aria from our first opera, The State of the Jews, State, um, State of the Jews. And um, it's uh, Julie Herzl, uh, Theodore Herzl's wife, um, singing about how Theodore and his political work and his activity outside of their family is really taking him away from the kind of dream that they had as a couple. Um, and yeah, ben, ben, maybe you can speak a little more to the history of that. Uh, just that, uh, you know, this is also an opera that's based on a lot of uh, the true historical record, but there's this tragic element to Herzl's family life, which is that he really was not, by all ac uh, historical accounts, a, a good husband or father. He was very often absent off, you know, doing his political activities uh, also financially, you know, spent all the money, you know, and left really the family uh, quite destitute. So uh, Julie in this aria is singing about the life that she thought she was going to have and the life that she thought they could have had and uh, the way in which that life has kind of become faded or, or out of reach for her and to remind Theodore of, of what that was for her and for them in their relationship earlier on. All right, let's have a listen.
Great. That was um, that was very interesting to hear. Um, and I think it gives us a sense of what your work is like. And it it makes me ask you both, um, you know, would you ever have imagined that you would be doing um, <laughs> collaborating on creating operas, contemporary operas about uh, aspects of Yiddish history and culture? I don't know, but I'm happy that we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben? I, I'm not sure. It, it, it kind of, it's interesting how all of these, these things come together. I, I would agree with Alex. I don't know if I would have expected it, but I'm, I am very pleased that we're making this, this opera right now and exploring these topics because it, it's, it's very exciting to me to be able to, the things that I'm excited to read about and to have conversations about in classrooms and with people over a cup of coffee uh, to see those things also staged theatrically to me is, is very exciting. And I, I hope other people find it exciting as well. Well, add to that, you know, part of what is so exciting about these stories is that, you know, in a certain way, they took, at least they took me by surprise that I find them so interesting, and so meaningful. And so, you know, and the same is true for Yiddish poetry and for, you know, Yiddish culture more broadly, that when I started having that kind of discovery of these things in my own life and find them so meaningful for me, um, it was really exciting to be able to to share that with other people and to make it a part of my, you know, practice as a, as a creative person, as an artist. I think definitely one, one takeaway, I, you know, I don't want to speak for, for both of us, but I think that we all share in this world when we're engaging with Yiddish language and culture is that this idea that there are so many hidden gems, there's just an absolute treasure trove of material. You could spend many, many lifetimes pouring through the archive, reading, reading the books, and you will probably not have scratched the surface. And so as uh, someone who, you know, if we're, when we're creating or we're doing public programs or classes to be able to, to have that sense of, of the expansiveness of this culture and know that we're not going to hit the end of it. And we can hopefully, uh, you know, make more operas, make more uh, works of, of art and, and share more programs that will be able to, to help people continue to be inspired by it in the future. We're doing um, a great job with what I sometimes refer to at my job, and I think it's the same for you guys there. It's the guilty pleasure of the job being able to explore this culture and see what we can do with it. Um, I do have to ask you one other question. Are either of you opera fans? Oh, I think we're both big opera fans. Yes, absolutely. So let's, for our listeners, this is a work in progress. You are doing a quick preview. Tell me about that and, and also where... Everybody can learn more about all of this. Sure. So we are doing a preview at the, we're now, you know, it's end of October. It's going to be October 28th at 7.30 PM at the 14th street Y in New York city. And the preview is part of LABA, which is a laboratory for Jewish culture. Uh, and we are doing this brief expert excerpt, which is the very first time anyone uh, including us has, has really heard the opera. We just heard the music for the first time a couple of days ago. And uh, it's, we're very excited to you know, be able to have it up on its feet uh, in this semi-staged uh, format this week. And we're hoping there'll be lots more to come for this project. So um, stay tuned, everyone. You can find more information at both of our websites or just Googling uh, each of us. And yeah, we're hoping to, to bring this project to, to a full opera at an opera company near you sometime soon. <laughs> 
Well, I hope that you'll take it on the road and bring it to Amherst. We don't we have much so opera too. here. No. <laughs> need no. more opera in Amherst. We need more opera. You're going we'll to be the one to bring it, bring it to us, or we'll go to New York and, and hear it. Um, but seriously, um, thank you both for what I think is somewhat irreverent, but really thoughtful um, and great work that you do. It's, it's totally cool. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and it's, again, it's thoughtful, you know, you know, of what you write and create around. Um, so thanks for that. Um, again, our guests, if you want to Google them, as they say, uh, Alex Weiser and Ben Kaplan. Thanks. Um, I hope to see you again soon. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having us. You have been listening to The Schmooze, a production of the Yiddish Book Center in Amherst, Massachusetts. To learn more about this podcast and to subscribe, visit YiddishBookCenter.org. I'm Elizabeth Carteropoli. Until next time, be well and be healthy.